Blog Talk Radio. People, this is so it is August 11th, 2015. We are going to take a different angle today, uh, and you'll see it'll be a because, it, because it's absolutely something many of us are not doing. Uh, last November, I was I said I had sleep apnea, I, I had trouble. Uh, I snored like like a Tony the Tiger, uh, and I had a son once because that while I was that I had actually breathing for a second or two, and you know for the, those two seconds seemed like a lifetime to him, but then I caught back on. Uh, you know everything kind of was an awakening to me. And how hard I slept experience that when you wake up and you can feel it in your chest how hard how hard which means obviously you're willing to get that air and 
reflect on you. Okay. Uh, you know, they wanted to put all this, whatever. Hello? 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 Give me, give me, give me. Hello? You're breaking up. Hello? 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 Okay, can you hear me? Hello, okay, I can hear you now. Oh, Hello? Second. So my, uh, hold on, let me make a change here. This has never happened before, okay. Okay. 
Okay, can you hear me now? Okay, I can hear you now. God damn. Okay, this is all right. This ain't never, this ain't never happened before. Okay, hold on a second. Uh, let let me uh let, let let's do this. I'm gonna take a take a break. I'm gonna catch. Hold on, just just y'all just hang in there. We're gonna be right back here. Okay. Okay, people, we are back. We got it together. I tell you, I've been doing it for two years, and that has never happened. I even have I have two computers set up here. I have a backup laptop, and I also have a cell phone that's dialed into the show so that I can uh, pick up if my, if my uh, laptop's happening to go out on me. I tell you, man, I don't know. Maybe I'm saying the wrong shit with somebody doing something, but I, that's never happened before. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to finish what I was talking about. I, I went back to last November, and uh, I'll make a long story short. I thought I had sleep apnea. Uh, frightened my kid one day. Uh, he, I was snoring real loud, and uh, he said I stopped breathing for a second or two, you know, and I could feel this strain in my chest when I wake up in the morning, how hard I slept. And I wake myself up sometimes snoring, and it's actually cost me a relationship that I snored so bad, to be honest with you. But cut that. I ended up working out, going to Planet Fitness. Uh, I started out slow. I dreaded it. I hated to go, but I was determined to go. And it got to a point to where I love it, 
And when I don't feel like going, those are the days that I damn well I'm going to go. If I miss it, it's going to be because I plan to miss it because I'm going to take a day off. If I don't feel like going, I, I drag my ass. And once I get in there, I feel beautiful. I'm straight. But uh, through Facebook, I tell you, this is why I love Facebook. I've connected with so many people who, who I've known in the past and uh, some I haven't seen since high school, 40, 40 years. And uh, uh, I connected with the brother and, uh, you know, saw the, how he was in the workout also. And, you know, tell, you know, talking about on Facebook how uh, what it's done to, to change his life and, and uh, how he had issues even uh, more uh, uh, severe than my own that uh, he has all the time due to the, the power of uh, the power of working out. Power of working out for your physical health. This brother here, he is uh, out of Chicago, uh, representing the Horace Mann School, representing the South Shore High School, one of my uh, South Shore alumni, one of our very own. And I tell you one thing, this brother here, if there was a South Shore Athletic Hall of Fame, this brother here would be on the first status as a quarterback for South Shore High School back in the days. All-American brother. And uh, I tell you, I told him just recently that I was so honored, and he don't even know it. He, how would he know it? But I was so honored that, that the time that he spent on the baseball team, just being in uniform with us. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I, I appreciated that. It, it, it was just nice, motivating to, to have this brother on the team with us. This brother here... Uh, represents also Northern Illinois, uh, Oklahoma State, Northern Illinois, played football at both uh, colleges, graduated with DePaul University. I'm going to bring on uh, Brother Kevin Farmer. Kevin, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, it's a pleasure, Keith, a pleasure and an honor. Man, take, take this, this, you know, I, I, we talked before the show, and I said before before we go into the health, I want to go back to a little bit to the days in the South Shore, because you being at the level that you were uh, uh, athletically, uh, what, go back and tell me some. What were some of the highlights of your time there, throwing that football, handing that football off at South Shore High School? What what, what times stick out in your mind uh, that you just that's just never going nowhere with you? Uh, I mean, as you know, um, in my sophomore year, uh, we had a very average uh, regular season and got fortunate enough to come together as a group in the postseason and win five straight games. You break your hold on, hold on, hold on, Kevin. You break you're breaking up a little bit. Might want to change the angle a little bit. Okay. You, you with me? Okay. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. Yeah, we were uh, fortunate enough at South Shore High School to reach Soldier's Field in a championship game. Um, we played a very high profile game, and uh, fortunate enough to become co-champion. Okay, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not hearing you clearly. I, I, I want to make sure people can hear what you're saying clearly. But you, you're kind of coming in a little muffled. Like, uh, I'm not sure what what you what, 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 where you're located, but it's kind of. Uh, you know, you could maybe get your window or something like that. Okay, I'm walking outside now. Um, can you hear me a little better now? I, 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 I hear you. I hear you're beautiful now. You're great. Okay. All right. I'm outside now. Yeah. Uh, some of the best memories I had at South Shore High School were my sophomore year when we were able to make it to the to the city finals and and play for the championship game in in Soldiers Field, and uh, more importantly, to establish some relationship with some guys that uh, 40 years later that I still talk to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you. Uh let me ask you this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go one more time for this answer. I, I like I like to ask these kind of questions of, of athletes because I know when I played sports, that there there are moments that I had that I will absolutely never forget. Uh, 
not all of them good, but most of them are just, <laughs> what, you know, what, what, what other, uh, what, what are you, give me a play and, uh, that you, that, uh, an, an instance or a moment where you just, uh, let me, let me ask you this. When, when did you get to the point where you felt dominating? Well, we were playing, um, the homecoming game. Uh, my senior year, we were playing against King High School, uh, heavily favored, best team in the city that year, and we were like 14, 15-point underdogs, and uh, we played them even. Um, I was fortunate enough to throw an 80-yard touchdown pass to the late Michael Jones, the late great Michael Jones, and uh, the tide of the game and enabled us to move in the first place in front of a packed house. Uh, it was a very emotional thing. We weren't even talent-wise. We weren't even supposed to be on the same field with these guys, and we kind of surprised them with our energy and our spirit, and and played them to a standstill, which allowed us to uh, go to the playoffs as the number one seed. Wow! Now you 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 became a starter in the sophomore season, or did you start in the freshman year as a starter? I don't I don't remember. Well, actually, I got I was fortunate enough that after the JV season in my freshman year, I was brought up to varsity. Uh, for the playoffs, and I was mentored by uh, some guys. We had a great team my freshman year. We had seven guys who got Division One scholarships off that team. I was mentored by a great quarterback by the name of Matthew Mims, um, and uh, I was able to gain some valuable experience as a 14-year-old kid playing varsity. Wow. Well, I remember Matthew Mims. That guy had a rocket on his arm, brother. I remember him very well. Uh, uh, he was my role model, a uh, great discipline, uh, a great leader, and not very vocal, but and he led by by the things that he did on the field, and he's the undisputed leader of that team. Wow. Now, we, 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 okay, I, I appreciate your answer. that. I, I always wonder. I, I like I like to hear those stories, and uh, we we have uh, Brother Carl. I told him we're gonna we're gonna mix it up with him, uh, with some of that uh, old South Shore spirit too. But I want to go jump up a little bit and go into when you became uh, fitness aware and what, what got you to the point of uh, putting such an effort into your own uh, physical health? Well, you know, I had been an athlete all my life, and, and after graduating from college, you know, I kind of dropped that persona a little bit and started uh, indulging in some negative behavior that was negative mentally and physically. And for about seven or eight years, you know, without me really noticing it, my health steadily went into a decline. Uh, and uh, roughly around Thanksgiving uh, in 2000, uh, I was cooking dinner and uh, passed out into a diabetic coma. Uh, one minute I'm fixing dressing, and the next minute I know I'm in Louis Weiss Hospital uh, just coming to consciousness. And the doctor told me that uh, your blood sugar level is almost 700, son, and your blood pressure is astronomical. And if you hadn't got to us when you did, you wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, I had gotten up to 279 pounds. I was indulging uh, recklessly in, in recreational drugs. And I had forgotten my discipline and, and who I was as a person at my core. Uh, I'm an athlete, uh, move like athlete, think like athlete, and operate like an athlete. And I had gotten away from that and indulged in some things that, that weren't necessarily good, and it had a negative impact on my health. Uh, 
got diagnosed as a type 2 diabetic. And for seven years, um, I was taking metformin in order to control my diabetes. And uh, it, I don't know, I just had an epiphany one day and just decided to um, become who I am at heart. And I simply returned to being an athlete and uh, started working out religiously. First of all, I educated myself about fitness, uh, learned the hows and, and the what's and, and what not to do, and got as much information in my head about fitness and uh, just got a, a, a sense of determination about wanting to live a healthier and better life. It was a slow process. It took me about nine months to, to lose the initial 40 pounds. But after that nine-month period, the doctors began to tell me that your blood sugar is regulating. And I noticed that every time I went to the gym, it wasn't necessary for me to take metformin in order to get my blood sugar to a normal level. Uh, so I use exercise to, to keep myself going and to keep my blood sugar down. And after a while, the doctors said that um, you no longer need that medicine that you've worked your way uh, off of type 2 diabetes. You're fine. You don't need the medication anymore. And uh, it, it was a great moment for me. Uh, you know, it, it's clearly um, exercise and fitness has some, some excellent benefits, not only health-wise, but intellectually. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a chemical release that happens in your body when you exercise. It opens up your brain, some endorphins get to flowing, and, and they kill things called free radicals that cause cancer. And it's just a good deal all around it. There aren't very many negative aspects to working out on a regular basis. I wish that people, I hope that people are really paying attention and listening to what you're saying because, and, and, and try it. Get out there. It's not expensive, especially, especially Planet Fitness. And they're all, all over the country, I'm, trying, I'm here to tell you. And, and, and try it because one, one thing I experience, when I, when I leave the gym, I feel good when I go to the gym, especially now. But when I leave that gym, if it's a sunny day, the sun seems more sunny. If it's a cloudy day, it seems like a sunny day. The day just seems brighter. You feel better. Your attitude is better. Your patience is better. Uh, it, it makes you want to eat better, even though I cheat a lot. <laughs> I got to work on that. <laughs> but, but 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 I'm conscious of the fact that I need to eat better. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. I hope people are paying attention because I know for a fact that there's at least about five people who, because I always post when I'm at Planet Fitness, it got them to thinking about it, and now they're doing it, and they're telling me how much better that they feel, and that's a good feeling. And that's no that. accident. That's no accident, Keith. Uh, I mean, um, you know, I I am a personal trainer now, so uh, I've inclined to do a lot of research. It's simply a chemical reaction in your body when you move that uh, improves not only your mood, the chemical balance in your body, your body composition, and your state of mind. Uh, our ancestors, uh, the people that we come from, weren't sedentary. The human body is not meant to be sedentary. It's built by design to perform at its peak when you move around. And if you move around and do those things that, that come natural to the human body, uh, of course you're going to feel better and you're going to operate better. It's just a feeling of sharpness uh, in your mind and your body that, that helps you improve your life, many aspects of your life, not just the physical. You know, and the cherry on top of that cake is that 
aesthetically, you begin to look better. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's not always the number one goal, but I don't care who you are. If you work out long enough, you're going to improve how you look. And uh, fortunately, that kind of counts in this world. And the thing is, what, what I tell people is don't, don't, don't go into it for the look. I mean, you go into it for the look, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to feel a whole lot better before the look changes. But embrace that feeling. That's what it's all about. You know. That's right. And, again, that's important, uh, what you just said, before your appearance changes, because uh, realistically it takes about 90 to 120 days to see a real change in your appearance. But during that 90, 120-day period, I'll bet you a dollar and a dime that your emotions are regulated, you're going to feel better, you're going to feel calmer, and uh, you'll sleep better at night. Oh, man, I sleep like a... I, I, I sleep to the point now, I, I sleep like a log. I sleep silently. When I wake up, I feel, I don't feel that sensation in my chest. I don't wake myself up by my own snoring. Uh, I know I went to uh, Mardi Gras this past February with uh, my son and a few of his classmates. And, you know, we, you know, it was five, five uh, men, five women. You know, we, we just had two rooms. We all bungled in and everything. And, and uh, my, my, I, hey, I did make, I was quiet as a rock, man. And uh, it's, it's an excellent, great, great feeling. It's a beautiful feeling, man. People need to get out and, uh, and, and work out and do, do something. It doesn't have to be strenuous. And, 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 for, and the people who, who can't work out physically, well, then I say they work out mentally. Exercise your mind and think and, and get, get, get your thought process together. That, that makes you feel better, too, when you come out that comfort zone and challenge yourself to go at this shit, man. You know, it's kind of a, it's a form of, it's a form of meditation. Um, you, you mentioned something earlier in the conversation about hating it when you first started. I was in the same boat, even though I'm a lifetime athlete. It was a chore to go to the gym initially. However, that feeling quickly passed, and now I'm to the point where it's a chore not to go to the gym. Uh, yeah. and, and 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 it's an issue mentally with me if I don't do it. Um, it's simply part of what I do right now. And if you monitor some of the most successful people in our society, uh, from Obama to Bill Gates, uh, they all came to success from different avenues and different ways. But one of the common threads and a lot of successful people is, is they work out their, their minds and their bodies. Uh, president of the United States is a very busy man. But he's not too busy to get up and exercise every day. Uh, and, and it's uh, something that you owe to yourself. Uh, when people tell me that they're too busy, their life is too full, they can't make it. I mean, but if you aren't healthy and, and functional, you can't get around to all of those other things that you need to do. And having a fit and healthy body is simply to your advantage, particularly as you age. I mean, what, what, what more can you do to, uh, to ex exhibit love of self than to keep yourself, you know, than to work yourself out? If that I ain't agree totally. If that ain't self-love, man, are you taking care of yourself like that? Man, I wish people would get out there. I just wish people, I, I hope. Matter of fact, I haven't, I haven't said a damn thing about the call-in number. Anybody want to call in and share your thoughts, 718-664-9513. Give us a call, 718-664-9513. Uh, if you have uh, been through the same thing and uh, ended up working out, uh, had an issue before and worked out, and, and that in itself and perhaps even changing the eating habits have changed your life, 
then call in and share it with us, and maybe you can help uh, influence someone else also. But okay, but let me ask you this: How are you with your eating habits? Have, have you adjusted? Because I, I, I haven't done as well with that, and I was going to ask you also because uh, I'm doing real good, but it seems like my my uh, my abdomen is the last thing to go. I'm still I still I'm, I'm losing my weight to proportion, but it's like. Uh, People ask me, well, what weight do you want to get at? I don't care what weight I'm at. When, when, once my stomach gets flat, whatever weight that is, that's where I want to be. You know? Uh, uh, and uh, and a lot of people, particularly males, that, that's their objective. But as a trainer, I'll tell you that getting that washboard abs is probably the most difficult feat in the fitness world because you really have to balance uh, your nutrition and your fitness and on a tight level in order to get washboard abs. You know, as as we age, particularly in males, we collect body fat in the middle of our bodies. Uh, women tend to get it in their thighs. Men tend to get it in their stomachs. And if you're past 20, 25, 26 years old, it's extremely difficult to maintain washboard abs unless you're extra diligent in your in your diet uh, and your nutrition. Um I've got a rule that I use with my nutrition. It's called the 80-20 rule. Uh, 80% of the time I eat right, and 20% of the time I eat what I want to eat. Um, it keeps you from craving and wanting things on a daily basis. I mean, if you're working out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you know that your cheat day is on Thursday. When you pass that pizza and that cheesecake, you know you can pass it up because you know on Thursday you're going to have your opportunity to have a slice of pizza and have a slice of cheesecake, and I tell all my clients, and, you know, I've got this from some of the top uh, academic, uh, athletic people in the world, that you should always have a cheat day. It just keeps you from craving those things on a daily basis. It gives you something to look for and something to work for on a weekly basis. Now, are you are you actively in the training mode now? Are you, are you doing private training? Uh, is, there, is there any way that uh, if anybody wants to contact you for information, pertaining to, uh, you know, get themselves started in physical fitness, uh, what, what, what can they do? What, would you be able to give them, give them just some? Just hit me up on my Facebook, Facebook page. I'm just finishing up running a uh, after-school matters program over at Marshall High School. It's a power fitness program for young high school-age athletes uh, designed to uh, increase their performance in, in various sports. we got soccer players, we got basketball players, we got football players, and it's my charge to... Uh, make these kids better in, in whatever sport that they're in. And in addition, give them some information. And that's another thing that I want to touch on, particularly in our community and minority communities. Um, the information road isn't as wide open as it should be about nutrition. Uh, you know, a lot of times you want to blame the parents about not feeding their kids the right foods. But it's in my experience to find out that a lot of people in our community simply don't have the information needed to feed their kids properly. They just don't know. Yeah. Uh, and some some of the foods that, that we eat uh, are shortening the lifestyles, the lifespan uh, of people of color. Uh, you know, I know we love our soul food and, and we love to eat certain things in our community. However, those foods in the long run aren't designed for optimum health. Now, there's a couple of things I, I can tell you firsthand that you said just on Facebook that I took heed to, and, and, it, and it worked, man. Because when you, when, you, when you write that shit down about, when you post that shit about health, man, I'm reading. 
And you said once, I know I was, uh, at one time I was kind of doing two-a-day workouts. You, you just said to make sure that if you're going to do that, to give yourself six hours in between. Exactly. And so that's what I did. It made a difference. You said you said and that will expedi- that will definitely expedite the process. I mean, that's what one of the good things uh, that you can do for yourself is when you initially start working out, is to a educate yourself as much as you can, or b get a uh, fitness professional to work with you to show you not only some of the shortcuts that you can use, but what you can do in the long run to keep yourself healthy and viable as possible. And and like that, working out twice a day and making sure five hours go in between workouts are one of those little shortcuts that a trainer can help you with. And, it, and it's a, uh, a number of small things you can do, like getting up in the morning and running before you eat. Uh, your body is fueled by three things, protein, carbohydrates, and fats. When you go to sleep at night, your body uses up all its proteins and all its carbohydrates to support your bodily functions, your liver, your kidney, your heart, and all of that. When you wake up the first thing in the morning, the only source that you're using for fuel is fat. So if you get up in the morning before you put something in your body and you move around, you're burning nothing but fat in order to fuel your body. So you can get away with that on the short term if you're really trying to lose some weight uh, uh, quickly and efficiently for two or three months. Get up and run before you eat breakfast and watch what happens. Let me ask you this. What, what is a good – now, this is what I do. I, uh, when, I, when I first started, uh, I would get on the treadmill. Uh, I would go about 3.5 miles an hour, and I would, I would go about a half hour before I fell out. Okay, now now I can go I can go four miles. I can go an hour on 4.3. Uh, and I also do the weight machines. I focus on the biceps, abdomen, and, uh, and legs for about an hour. So I'm using an hour to hour, and sometimes I'll do two miles, you know, but what's sufficient enough a workout to where you, you not just, you know, what, what's sufficient to you as far as the workout? Uh, and now, I'm, the hour a day is all that I need right now, um, and anything that you're doing any more than that, an hour, hour and 15 minutes tops uh, to keep it cost-effective. You want sometimes if you do any more than that to get to the point of diminishing returns uh, with your body. Uh, I would recommend no more than 75 minutes per session, at least four or five sessions per day, and watch your nutrition, and uh, you'll get to to where you want to go. And there's also some other techniques that that assist you in that process. One of the things that people are doing now is something called high-intensity interval training. Now, when you do your cardio, you run at one pace for the entire duration of your cardio session. That's called steady-state cardio. However, if you do high-intensity interval training, which is running as fast as you possibly can for 30 seconds and then resting or walking for 30 seconds and repeat that process for a total of 20 minutes, you're going to cause your metabolism to go up and down. It's the same theory as an automobile in stop-and-go traffic. What happens to gas when you're in stop-and-go traffic? Yeah, yeah you, you, burn, you burn a lot of it, right? Yeah, yeah. If you do the same thing with your body, you're going to burn more fat, and it's called high-intensity interval training. And it's basically just running sprints or, or getting on a treadmill and going as hard as you can for as long as you can and then rest 
and then do it again, and you're going to force your metabolism to go up and down and up and down and make your metabolism work harder, i.e., you'll burn more fat. Now, you, 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 mean you, said seven, you said four to five sessions a day. Did you mean four to five sessions a week? A week, four to five sessions a week, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, man, you you, you trying to make us. Um, no, I'm not Superman, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I try to get in four or five days a week. Look, I try to get and, a minimum of four. But, uh, and another, another thing you told me, because at one time I was going to try to do, I was going to try to go 60 days straight. But you had said, uh, you, you said that rest is good because rest gives your body, your muscles a chance to grow. That's right there. Well, yeah, well, what happens when you lift weights is you tear muscle tissue down. You don't, your muscles don't actually grow and expand while you're lifting weights. That happens when you stop. You're tearing muscle tissue down, and the heavier the weight is that you lift, the more muscle tissue you tear down, and that day after you lift, or at that time after you lift, your body is repairing itself. And the more you lift, the more your body has to repair i.e. the more it'll grow. That's the beautiful thing about lifting weights. If you lift weights on Monday, your body, because of the stress that you put it under, is burning fat for at least 24 to 48 hours after that session. When you do cardio, you're only burning fat while you're doing the cardio. When you lift weights, you're burning fat when you're in the gym and after you leave the gym. Wow. And I, as a point that I emphasize, particularly to my female clients, because sometimes they shy away from lifting weight, if you want your body to adhere to its natural shape and its natural curve, get into some type of resistance exercise because you will burn fat all week long, as opposed to just doing cardio when you're just burning fat while you're doing the exercise. Okay, so before we, we'd like to bring on uh, one of our Another one of our South Shore High School alumni, uh, football Hall of Famers, if there was a Hall of Fame. But uh, before that, I want to one more time to, if anybody wants to contact you, they can just get with you on Facebook, Kevin Farmer. That's K-E-V-E-N Farmer on Facebook. And uh, you, you'll take them, you'll, you'll take them uh, the rest of the way. Is that correct? Yep, I'll come to you. We'll work something out. Okay. Hold on. We're going to bring on Brother... Uh, Brother Carl Sanderson, Carl, thanks for holding on, man. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, I'm good, man. How about yourself? Hey, Kevin. I'm doing great. Of course, of course you guys know each other. <laughs> What's up, young man? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I can't complain, man. I'm, I've been blessed, as they say, you know. Oh, uh, I've been good, you know. It's really uh, good. Brother it's Carl, good to hear your voice. Brother Carl, before, yeah. before, before, before we go into it, I, I, I want to take you, Carl, back, too, like I did Kevin. That's not your high school. I ain't up in the background somewhere, in the background. But uh, your, your, your time was South Shore. What, just give me a moment that sticks out with you that you just, man, where you were just elated. You was on top of the world for that for that poor period of time. Okay. Going back, like, to Kevin's sophomore year, I was at DuSable. I did three years at DuSable. I was at DuSable Panther. And during that time, we played. You guys, we played South Shore for the championship, and we tied 12-12 at Soldier Field. I remember that very well. I was at that time, and I wasn't even on varsity. I was on the sophomore team, and I wanted to get over to South Shore so bad because my brother <laughs> stayed over My brother stayed over there, and they, and they were dressing like the uh, New York Jets, and I loved it. And they was, they, was big. They, they was big. They was fast. They had Kenmore. 
They had uh, a young, a Reginald Hall. Man, they had a, y'all had a great team. Y'all was big and fast. I remember very well. And and Mills, he came from my way, fifty one thirty five South Federal. That's right. You're absolutely right. I know him very well. He went to. He was real tight with my cousin Earl Hawkins, Clarence Hawkins. He was at South Shore maybe in in seventy. Seventy. He got there about sixty nine seventy because he transferred from Gonzaga after his sixty eight season. So he he played basketball because he used to tell me about Coach Brown <laughs> and whatnot. But hey, man. It's funny that you you mentioned that because I knew Mims and 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 those experiences that we had that, that I had to be solvable, man. South Shore was a place I wanted to, wanted to be. So in my after my junior year at DuSable, DuSable won won the uh, blue and green, the sure green did. division. Was it what was it green at during the, during my junior year in '74? DuSable won it. They wanted they beat King twenty six to nothing, and so after that, Dusaba went to the uh, red and white. But they had Larry Carter and the guys that was there, and I knew that you know they wasn't going to be anything. I knew they, they was going to be totally garbage next year. I left. I came to South Shore because I knew what South Shore had. You know what Dusaba? They went to the white division in seventy five, and our graduating class. You know what their record was? Zero and seven. <laughs> I remember that. They went 0 and 7, man, with Larry Carl. They had they had good guys, but wasn't no discipline. And I knew that they were gonna be terrible. That's why I left. I fucked up and I came over there with Kevin and you guys. And I always remember it happened around this time, um, forty years ago, this date, around this time, Doctor Kushner. Doctor Kushner uh-huh. and the late uh Coach Jackson they was having a discussion outside, and I had, and I had my, I went and got my transcript from Dusable, and I had my brother's light bill and whatnot, and I walked over to a Coach, and and I called him and Dr. Kushner at the same time, and I said, my name is Carl, I'm here to transfer, and I gave him my transfer, you know, all my grades was up to part and everything, and Coach looked me, Coach Jackson looked me in the face, and. And he handed it over to uh, <laughs> Dr. Kushner. Dr. Kushner signed it. And I went in the, uh, in the auditorium and registered for classes, man. That was a great feeling. I was so elated, man. After yeah. and, that, and that same day, man, they gave me some um, some bullshit equipment. You know, they gave me some equipment. I went out there, and I knew, coming from an environment that I had came from, man, I had baseball, basketball, and football. Football was our number one thing at the time football and baseball. So after growing up in Robert Taylor, you know, it was nothing I couldn't do. And so I knew when I went to South Shore that I was going to, look, I'm going to find me a spot. And I knew I was going to start because I had the football thing was, it was in my family and, and baseball. When did you know you made the team? At what point did you, did you come to South Shore knowing so, you were on the team? At what point did you know, when did you know that you made the team? That you, that you first, got on the team first, that you wanted to First practice. First practice, he, I was, listen, I let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. He came up, he showed up, and he showed out. We had uh, all-American players on our right side. We had Reginald Hall. We had Donald Jackson. And uh, a real stout defense, but just one-sided. And when this young man showed up to play weak side linebacker, he solidified that whole defense. 
uh, we weren't a one-sided defense anymore with him on the other side of Frog and Jackson. Uh, he made us locked down. With him on that side and Frog and Jackson on the other side, we became a lockdown defense. Nobody moved the ball against us, and he was the missing piece to that puzzle. Damn. That's interesting. That's a compliment, hey, man, brother. And I loved it. And you know what? And I remember that game when we tied King eight to eight. I remember hitting Keith. What was Keith's last name for uh, King? Keith Porter. Keith Porter. What's his name? He was Keith. Keith Morton. Man, I hit Keith Morton, Morton, the big fullback. I hit Keith Morton so hard, man. And I said, "Wow!" And I saw stars. I got right back up, and I was, I was, I was, man, I was geek. And then Bill Tolston. He was a man. We gave them a good run. We beat them over at um, what's the name of the stadium? Sag. We beat them. I mean, Sag we Stadium. We yeah. With them at Sag, eight to eight. I never will forget that man. We played a played a great game, man. Hey man, I got number fun, good memories of South Shore, man. Just a blessing, man. I you know the experience that I had there uh, basically changed my life. Coming from Gustavo to South Shore during that time was a big change, man. It was a, a big culture change. change. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was <laughs> a big change and I and I loved it. And I and I dealt with it and I and I loved it and it helped me. That was a stepping stone, you know, because after that I went to you know, I went to Jackson State in seventy five and I stayed there for one semester, got kicked out, and then I went to Laola in the seventy sixth January. I couldn't come back. And so what I did was in seventy six fall, I went to Shaw University for a whole year and got my grades up. And guess who was over there? Keith Moore. About five or six guys from King. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Keith Morton. Uh, they had a they had a defensive back. I can't think of his name. He passed away, man. He passed away. He was a good guy. He played he was he was a, a nucleus on that King seventy five team. And anyway, I and they and that kicker that they had too. I can't think of his name, but anyway, I met some good guys. I back to uh, so I went to Shaw University, it's a black school in Raleigh, North Carolina. I got my grades together. I went a whole year. I went to '76 fall and the '77 spring, and I got like I ran my GPA to about a 3.57, and I transferred that to University of Iowa in '78 of a spring. Let me, let me ask you this, brother Carl. Let me ask you this, because uh, I, know, I know that you get your workout on, too. What, when, when did you start getting into this uh, physical fitness uh, mentality? Okay. Well, it happened for me, like like Kevin said, we long, lifelong athletes. You know, it's it's already ingrained in us. And so right. for me, right. like, I have got, like, I have got real complacent and – I felt like, you know, I, you know, after, after you're not playing competitive sports no more, it's easy to drop off. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why I dropped off. But still, I was out there playing uh, basketball on a regular basis, five or six games up and down the court. My basketball game got much better, man. When I, after I left high school and started playing more and more, see, with basketball, if you're playing every day, you're going to get better. I started coming up to, um, 76th Street, and I was playing against Mike Jones. Mike Jones' basketball game got better. Mike became a better basketball player 
Then he was a football player. I was amazed, and I used to come out here and play with Mike. Mike, and it seemed, you, you know what it was? He worked on it. He worked on it every day. That's I all it was. He, I know he, he, that's he, what I'm saying. If you work on it every day, you'll get better. Because Mike and is it's the same thing holds with this fitness thing. If you simply show up on a daily basis, you're going to get better. That's right. You're going right. to get better. And I want to encourage anybody that's listening, that's reticent about working out, take it slow, and just show up for a month or so. And watch the changes in your body and your spirit. You don't really want to go once you see those changes. Brother Kevin, you also said something before. I remember you said about drinking water. That t- try, try for a year to uh, drink as much water and nothing but and to see how you feel at that point. Is that something that you have? Uh, have, have you gotten into that uh, for a p- that period of time? Yeah. Uh, look, even if you stop drinking pop for a year, you'll lose 15 pounds without even exercising. Just don't drink pop for a year. And watch what happens to your body. And water, is, is, you know, you have to keep yourself hydrated. It keeps things moving in your body. It's just like with grass. The more you put it on grass, the more it grows. And the same theory goes for with your body. The more you put water in it, the better it is. And we drink a lot of sugary drinks and, 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 and things that aren't good for our body. And when you drink sugar, you don't feel the fullness and the satiation. So the calories and the pounds will sneak up on you. Just drink them pop every day. Right. Hey, man, you're absolutely right because pops is one of the number one things that uh, that's if you want to become a diabetic, you know, get on a pop diet. Seriously. Drink pop. Yeah, drink pop. You'll be diabetic in six months. That's right, man. And that's, you know what, and my mother, that's it. She couldn't kick it. That was my mother's only downfall. She couldn't kick the pops, man. And I got a brother the same way, man. He couldn't kick the pops. I don't even drink pops, man, today. And, you know, and, you know, my father, he was my father was a was a functional alcoholic. My father worked for CHA and he worked for Santa Fe and it was eight of us. He always went to work and he brought that money home. My father worked two jobs, man. My father worked like a slave and but he was a functional alcoholic because I can smell him reeking of it all the time. But he he went out there every day and he made the money, man. James Patterson, I'm very proud of him. and I vowed never to be like that, man. And that's why the drinking thing, you know. But let me say this, though. Now, I made some lifestyle changes, too, man. It's been 24 years ago, you know, that I made some lifestyle changes. And from that standpoint, I've been I've been doing great. Now, and I want to say that Kevin is one of the reasons why I'm going to be able to retire. I went, Kevin helped me get this job at CHA. And I'm using... 10, almost 10 years of that time, plus 20 years with the city of Chicago, I'm putting both of those together to retire. I remember you know, that. Kevin, I remember Kevin that. Yeah. Kevin took care of me. Kevin, what was the lady name that you had a connection with when you was doing your, um, when you was working as, you was over there working in uh, the Urban League? You at the Urban League, there. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and hey, man, I, I really, hey, man, I, I really want to thank you for that, man, you know, you reached back and you helped the brother at the, during that time when the brother was sort of down. 
And I love I that, appreciate man. it. I appreciate that, yeah, those man. thanks, so, man. Yeah, man, for sure. And so, hey, man, you got to get credit where it's due. Hey, Kevin, here's what I want to ask you on the on the um, workout thing. Now, my arms, well, how come my shoulders continue to hurt? And, you know, because I lift, too. I'm lift, too. I'm not, I'm not an Olympic lift weighter like you are because I saw you built like a shit brick house on your page. <laughs> So, but, believe, believe it or not, believe it or not, I don't lift heavy. I don't lift heavy at all. But but we go ahead. Uh, okay. You know, we in our we in our fifties now, man, and the rotator cuff kind of degenerates a little bit over use because you've been an athlete all your life. I'm just guessing without looking at you that it might be some rotator cuff issues. And uh, you and I go get together, and uh, I'm gonna show you what to do about taking care of that rotator cuff. But age and atrophy kind of uh, catches up with people our age, and, and that might be an issue. You remember, you used to bang your shoulder a lot as a young man, didn't you? Exactly. Exactly. You was a hard-hitting linebacker. And then when you get into our 50s, sometimes that shit catches up with you. Okay. Yeah. But, so, but there's some buddies, things that you can do. Right. But, you know, my buddies, they had me doing certain exercises, and they said, no, you don't, your rotator cuff, you haven't torn it yet because, you know, so I backed off on the weight, and I can just feel a little bit of it, but I still, I still do the weights, and I'm still, because one of my, one of my buddies, you know, he works out, and he lives too, he said, Tom, he said, you have to continue to do them, you know, because, you you know, you lifted more now than ever before, mm-hmm. and so he said, you continue to do them, and it helps, and so, you know, I'm I'm doing cardio. See, I have a treadmill and I have a bike and I have a universal weight machine in my basement. So okay, I get in okay, and I and I spend about an hour. You know, I might do thirty minutes on the treadmill, twenty minutes on the bike, and I play with the weights for about twenty to twenty five minutes. You know, and that's nothing, all you nothing need. Nothing like you doing. Nothing <laughs> like you doing. You know, but hey, I'm getting it in. And I and if I don't, if I my body feels funny. I got to go. My body tells me, hey, Carl, you got to get your butt down that basement. You know, I'm there like every day or every other day because okay. my body craving for it. You understand? I know you get that feeling. My body craves for it. Like, come on, go get down there and get it in. But it's good for you uh, physically, mentally, because at one time, I when I slacked on working out, let's say about 10 years ago, I couldn't even get up the steps. Without getting tired, I said, hold up. Yeah. And let me tell you what I did. <laughs> I, it scared me, so I went and I saw my doctor, my cardiologist. And so he gave me an angiogram. He went up in my chest and he, he gave me a local. And he went up there. He said, Carl, he said, you don't have no blockages. And so then I knew that I had to get back, get my butt back in that gym and start mm-hmm. back working out. And that's what, that's and ever right. since then, I've been fine, man. I haven't had no problems. You know, I mean, you know, we're getting older, so we got to take care of ourselves better, man. That's and right. Me, that's right. Me, that's me, right. Me, here's another Kevin. thing. Now, let me, let me ask this question real quick. Let me ask this question real quick. Is, is there a better time to, to work out uh, evening before breakfast? I mean, uh, e- uh, morning before breakfast or evening after you get off before dinner? Is, is, there, is there a best time? 
to work out. What, it it depends. It's, it's circumstantial. You know, it, it depends on a couple of things. It depends on what your fitness goals are, and it depends on your body, what's good for you. Like, I'm at my strongest between 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So I go work out between those hours because that's when I feel the strongest. Now, like I indicated earlier, if you really try to drop some weight, you need to get up off your butt and exercise in the morning and use your fattest energy because that will expediate that process. It will just help you burn more fat, and plus it will keep those endorphins flowing all day long. Listen to your body. Whatever feels good for you, again, it's a real circumstantial thing, and it varies from person to person. So it's a real personal issue. Whatever time of day that you feel good about, that's when you should go work out. But I will say this, your body is, is attuned to rhythms. You should keep it consistent and work out around the same times every day. Uh, your body will feel better about it. I got you. That's mm -hmm. probably why you see a lot of uh, a lot of white folks, they work out in the mornings. A lot of people work out in the mornings, not only white Because it sets the tone for your day. It sets the tone for your whole day. Barack okay. gets up every morning. He don't publicize it a whole lot, but the President of the United States gets up every morning at 4.30 okay. and runs and plays basketball before he get up and do what he got to do. Him and his wife. And it keeps him on point for the whole day. And that's what right. this whole thing does for you. Again, forget about how you look. It keeps you on point. Right. That's a beautiful thing, man. Oh, man. What I'm going to do, I'm going to say, what I'm going to do, I'm going to take, uh, I got I to get our uh, our regular commercial in. I got to do an old school, and we're going to come right back. And then uh, I'm going to get uh, closing statements from both of you gentlemen, because I'm going to be bringing on one of the, uh, one of our new uh, hosts once I expand to the network scheme. I'm going to introduce her to uh, the new network. So y'all hold tight. We're going to come back, uh, get some closing statements. We're going to keep it rolling, man. This, this has been great. This is, I, I've okay. got some, I, I hope people paying attention to this conversation. All right. No problem. All right. Hey, Chicago, for your next family reunion, call Jimmy Williams of Abstract T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunion expert since 1990. With photo t-shirts and custom printing available. You can see samples of his work on the internet. Search for JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. That's JimmyWilliamsOnline.com. One word. For families wanting reasonable prices, quality service, and good advice at making their family reunion a success, Call Jimmy Williams from Abstracts T-Shirts at 773-690-5366. That's 773-690-5366. Your family reunions should always be a happy occasion, and your T-Shirts should reflect that. Call Jimmy Williams at 773-690-5366. Your T-Shirt man.
what's getting bad Cause I could never make you unhappy No, I couldn't do that, girl Only wish I did love you so Makes it so, so very hard to go So very hard to go Cause I love you so I'd have to pay for my mistake I can't blame you For what you're doing to me, girl Even though my heart is Your dreams have all come true Just the way you planned them <coughs> So I'll just step aside back and I tell you uh, every show uh, I take us back to when music was really music because it, it just baffles me and I, how, how we lost our music, how we let our music just slip away and look what we have now and, and as, our music gone, as our music is gone so have we and if we can get our music back I think a, a, a real important part of us will also come back right along with it. That's just the way I believe. So Y'all still with me? How y'all doing, man? All right, all right. Enjoying this conversation. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, we gonna let a car go ahead and uh, you, you know what to do. Spread the love and speak your mind, man. Hey, man. Hey, this is a beautiful thing. I'm just glad to be connected with Kevin, man. Uh, Keith, Same here. I haven't uh, connected with Kevin in a long time, and this is this is great, man. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Hopefully, when is that reunion on the 29th? 
29. I'll, I'll definitely yeah. make it to the picnic, man. Make sure you're there. Yeah, that's the oh, 29th. Yeah. That's going to be on 71st. Okay. Yep. I'll probably yes, on sir. the 28th. They're going to have something, I guess, on the 28th, but I'll be there on the 29th, man. For sure. I'm okay, for sure. I'll probably be in the grill, man. You know, I, I still like a little pork every once in a while because I remember, see, I heard you mention about the, the dirty rib, rib chips that they had in uh, <laughs> I don't like their rib chips neither, man. I don't have some. I tell you what, you know, your boy that went to Bowen High went to Bowen. His people, I guess, they still own lambs because they lambs are, yeah, they back, they okay now. Lambs rib chips on 75th, they taste better than they did ever before. And every once in a while, Be, believe it or not, believe it or not, the uncle, the uncle is 91 years old and he's still working there. Get out of here. That's a blessing. Yes, sir. It, it was the Lamb's brothers, and uh, Byron's father passed away, but his younger brother is still there. He's, he's 90, 91 years old now. Okay. Oh, man. That's that's a blessing, man. I, I, remember I, remember Byron Lemon. We, I remember Byron Lemon. We played on the tournament team together when we played it up in Eckersall, man. I remember him, uh, Michael Harris. Yeah, good baseball player. Great baseball player. Yeah, great uh, ball player, went yeah. To, went to, to Bowling. Mike, Mike introduced me to him. Went to Bowling. I think he was with him, too, when, he, when you guys introduced me. Yeah, man, but uh, yeah, good buddy of ours, good, real good friend. Oh yeah. Well, let's uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's 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 get let's get the close of the statement, man. But I want to say this before uh, the picnic. I, I I need to talk to both of y'all to see if we want to. Uh, I don't know what y'all's plan is. I know I'm coming there, but I'm I'm gonna be by myself. So I don't want to be sitting by the damn stuff. So uh, I'll we'll bring my grill, up. man. Yeah, I'm we can. I, I, okay, we'll we'll talk about it. But go ahead and uh, just just close the statement. I want to make sure I get Rosita in here and. Uh, Please expect me to give her a call and bring her on. Okay. All right. You go ahead, Brother Carl. Okay. Hey, man, I want to um, thank you for having me and Kevin converge today, man, and connect. And that's a beautiful thing, man. I, I appreciate that. And I'm yes, sure sir. Man. And I just, you know, want to say that um, as we, you know, this has opened up a new uh, dialogue for us, man. We can uh, stay in contact and work on some things. You never know what the future holds because now, yep, yep. you know, with the brother, with Kevin, he's a smart brother, got a, de got a degree from DePaul. You know, I got a master's. You got your education, Keith. You a, a tech guy, you IIT guy. I, I, you know, we can, <laughs> hey, man, that's the limit for us. We we the ones that, look, we we the ones that going to make decisions and decide what we want to do for our uh, for our generations to come, man. Hey, man, it's here because you know we we right here where we wanted to be. This is where we always wanted to be on top of our game and able to exactly do, and able to do things that can that other people that our people can benefit from, man. And so I'm blessed, and I'm gonna thank you for uh, having this forum, man. For for that, Keith, I really appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. We'll be talking. We'll be talking about it, man. Brother Kevin, go ahead, man. Very I definitely appreciate it, too. I, and, and this is a needed forum. This is something that's definitely needed in our community. Uh, the people who are underneath us don't seem to have a level of understanding that we've gained over the years. And like the boys say, it's, the, it's the, the job of the talented 10th of the fortunate black people who are fortunate enough to be educated and well-traveled to take the information that we've got and bring it back to our community.
Because believe it or not, even in 2015, there's members of our community who still are fortunate enough to see the world in the broad view that three of us have been fortunate enough to see. We still need that information down uh, at the bottom of society. And those kids at the bottom of society are the ones that are causing the issues in our community. And it's our job to pass some information on to them kids to brighten them up a little bit, to give them a more panoramic view of life. And that's why I want to do this show, because we, we have some good minds out here. I mean, all these other shows have what they consider experts on there, you know, but we, we, all, we all can be experts in our own little way, shape, or form. And the people who really need to get out and get their words out there to be heard don't get a chance to be heard because if you, one of, it was one of the three of us called the mainstream radio station and it held on for a damn hour to get us about 20 to 30 seconds and cut us off with this. I get sick of that shit, which is why, another reason why I started doing my own shit. So here we go. But brothers, Kevin Farmer, uh, anybody want to hook up with Kevin Farmer for some physical fitness advice? He'd be more than willing to help you all out. You hook up with him on Facebook, Kevin Farmer, K-E-V-I-N Farmer. And uh, send him a Facebook friendship request and y'all, Y'all work it out. My brother Carl Sanderson, regular caller. I think uh, I, I haven't had any more support from anybody than I have had Carl Sanderson. I can say that right here on public. Uh, well, you know, I'm an athlete, Keith, and I'm competitive, so I'm going to start giving you a little more support than Brother Sanderson do. I ain't going to let him beat me at that. Oh, okay. Well, I hear you. I, I tell you what, but this is not the, the last time. We're going to have to do something. Where we're going to talk about the issues. This time I wanted to make sure I got something about uh, physical fitness. Hopefully people are paying attention and will get off their butt to get out there. And, and just exercise which is just for you. This is, this is for love of self. You can't do no better love of self than to work out your body. Yeah. body I truly look forward to, to working with you, brothers. I think if we can make this thing expand and make it a little bigger than it is, let's put our three heads together and, and work together. We can get that message out and, and, and be beneficial to not only ourselves but the people around us. Uh, we need to work together, fellas. Well, we're going to keep it rolling, and I'm going to thank both of you brothers for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and take a break. I'm going to give uh, Rosita Shatanda a call. Uh, we're going to be coming on to host a, a weekly or monthly show. We're going to talk about what she aims to bring, and uh, we'll, we'll cover that uh, as I come back. Brother Carl Sanderson, Brother Kevin Farmer, thanks a lot, man. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Now, y'all take it easy. Okay, man. I'll be thank right you. Back. I'll be right back. All right. Carl, I'll talk to you, buddy. I was born in a city they call the Windy City. Now they call it the Windy City because of the hawk, the almighty hawk. That's Mr. Wind, boy, and he's mean in the wintertime, you know. I used to live on a street that was a dead-end street. And I lived right at the end of the block where there was nothing to stop the wind and the elephants to keep them from blowing right into my house. I mean, really socking it to us in the wintertime. Yeah. See, in Chicago in the winter, when the boilers would burst and the heat was all gone, if you lived in certain parts of the city as I did near the lakefront, you had to get fully dressed before going to bed if you didn't want to freeze in your sleep. You know? I put on everything but my goulashes because they had buckles on them. See, and my grandmother didn't play that. My grandmother would say, boy, if you get in the bed with them goulashes on, I'll try my best to kill you, fool. Are you crazy? <laughs> but I was fortunate, see, because as soon as I was big enough to get myself a job, save me enough money to get a ticket to catch anything. I caught the first thing smoking and went west where I thought it was best. 
Yeah. I really felt that way sincerely too, folks. That was until seven years ago this past February. I woke up in Los Angeles one morning about six o'clock in the morning, and my bed was doing the boogaloo. Oh, and it was getting down, baby. And there was no music playing in the room at all, y'all. It was an earthquake, and it was far out, too. <laughs> but afterwards, I still tried to get some relatives and friends that I left in Chicago to come out west. But you know what they told me? They said, no, thank you, baby. You got California to yourself, honey, and you can go back by yourself. Don't nobody want to go out there with you. So I told him that was all right, you see, but I also told him this. I said, listen, if the good Lord above keeps the thought of Chicago out of my mind, I don't even want to change planes in the city certain months of the year. For fear of being snowbound, that's a cold city, folks. I tell you, if you've never been to Chicago, you ought to try and go there. And when you go, try to make it during the months of November, December, or January, or February, or March, or April. I like to pass one or two. May wasn't too hip either, you know what I mean? First week or two was a little chilly. Hawk was on the case. But let me tell you something about the Hawk in Chicago. Not only does he sock it to you, he socks it through you. To the bone like a razor blade, through clothes and all. Yeah! They said this is a big rich town. This next song came out about the mid-60s, during the time when we were having miscellaneous problems around the country about the area that this song was composed about. And the area is found in all of our major cities and most of our small towns. And the only difference that you'll find in the area is that in each and every place they have their own particular name for it. Now you take, for instance, here in the Big Apple, okay? They call the area Harlem, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, and a few other choice names. In Philadelphia, they call it South Philly and West Philly. In Chicago, they call it Chicago. I can talk about that when he calls. I was born in a dump. My mama died and my daddy got drunk. And he left me here. To die or grow in the middle of tobacco road. Oh, my Lord. I grew up in a rusty shack. Everything I owned was hanging on my back. The Lord knows how I. And I 
When music was music, we're back. And uh, like I say, on this show, we're going old school. If we can bring our music back, maybe we can bring some of our mentality back with it. I have uh, got my next guest on. I I just thought about uh, not long ago. I've been doing the show for about two years, started from scratch. Uh, I've never been one much gift to gab, but it's something that I wanted to do because I, I knew that I was saying a lot of what, some things that needed to be heard, regardless of whether someone agrees or disagrees, I think they needed to be said. And I wasn't hearing enough of it, so I, uh, thus we have where we are now at the point to where I want to go from not just doing a show, but I want to uh, make, make this into a network uh, to, to, to widen the angle and the perspective and the knowledge here because I only know a little bit of knowledge, but a little bit will take you a long way. A little knowledge will go a long way. And, uh, but I need, I need more, and, and the people who I'm bringing on to, to, to host shows who, who have uh, enthusiastically agreed to come on and uh, host shows with dates and time to be determined later, uh, I, I need their perspective. They, they know a lot of what I don't know, and they know a lot of what you don't know, and, and we can all learn from each other. And I want to bring on a young lady who I actually met through Facebook, which is why I love Facebook, just reading, reading posts and their perspectives and opinions and uh, posts that are put out that generate dialogue. You know, a lot of people put out things, but not many, not a whole lot of people can put out posts that uh, create dialogue, that, that have people engaging and, 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 and uh, stimulate conversation. And, and that, that's the type of post that I like to read, different perspectives, different angles, the respectful disagreements most of the time. <laughs> okay. But uh, one of the uh, ladies who I've uh, had the pleasure of reading her post, and I respect and appreciate her perspective, uh, is going to be a host on the upcoming uh, network. Uh, we are everyday people, and that is Rosita Shatanda. And she's with us now, Hi. Rosita. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Hi, Keith. Thank you very much for reaching out to me. I really appreciate that. And um, I think I primarily talk about education and issues affecting the African-American community, and I more or less consider myself an expert because of the 
amount of time that I have put in studying this issue. I was a former CPS teacher, and uh, I'm just very excited to be on today. I'm excited to have you here. I was actually nervous to think of expanding because, I, you know, I had this little thing. I don't really, you know, rejection don't feel good. I mean, I can handle it. It's all good. I keep living. I love thee. But, you know, you, 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 you want to put it out there and you want people to kind of say, okay, sure. You know, yeah, I'll go for it. And that's everybody did that. And I'm humbled by the fact that you are even willing to come on and be a part of it. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. And I, I would just like the audience to know a little bit about me. And I did say, I guess the most important thing is that I started in education, actually, as a parent. And I, when I had, I had four children, they were attending private, a combination of private school. I was literally the light. They went to the University of Chicago Lab School and then I transferred them to a public school, a quality public school, and then uh, they also went to Catholic school, Mount Carmel High School, and then uh, several of them graduated from Kenwood Academy uh, in Chicago, which is uh, has a selective enrollment component. So I, I, I simultaneously I was going through a divorce, and I have four, three boys and a girl, and I was subbing at CPS and found out this is something that I really like. I had gotten my undergrad and grad in psychology from Roosevelt University in Chicago, and then my master's in education from Concordia. And I also have a, a second master's that I was working on in school administration when I was displaced. So um, since that time, I've worked for the Chicago Teachers Union as organizer for the South Side. I created, after leaving the union, uh, there were some issues there in regards to their advocacy for the community that I serve. And uh, because of that, we had so many African-American displaced teachers. I, I formed the first displaced church. Uh, group in the country and later called it the Chicago Alliance of Urban School Educators. Then we found out that this travesty was going on nationwide when I put out a petition. Uh, Philip Jackson, a radio announcer here, saw it and he helped me and uh, to really promote it and we started hearing from teachers, about 5,000 teachers all over the country who were going through some identical things. So we, mm -hmm. I started to think, wow, you know, everybody is saying the same thing, no matter what state they're in. Uh, what disturbed me when I worked for the Chicago Teachers Union was that there were so many teachers who had superior ratings, and they were all being said, told that they were unsatisfactory based on a new criteria, and not only that, uh, that they had, they were being fired. And and 90% of those teachers were African-American working in schools in the African-American community, schools that had been under-resourced uh, as the schools that I chose, actually chose to work in. I would like mm -hmm. to say I, I was a graduate of a program 
called Teachers for Chicago. I'm a Teachers for Chicago graduate. It was the, okay. the program that came before Teach for America. So if you can envision, right now, Teach for America is an alternative certification. You have a degree like I did in psychology. You want to be a teacher, so you go in this program. You're not certified, and what they basically do is they basically kind of let you do experimental teaching. Fortunately, I had worked in the Catholic schools before I came to the board, so I did okay. know a little. But a lot of times teachers don't know anything about teaching, and they're just kind of like they want people that are fresh out of college. And I had a few years out of college, so I was really blessed to get in because uh, they had 3,000 applicants and from over the country, and they only hired 100 people. I finished that program, and that's how I got simultaneously while raising parents, and I finished two masters within three years. So I was really dedicated to education. And I worked there for almost 20 years when uh, I was actually fired from CPS. And it was done in such a way that it was just kind of, like, baffling to me. And I began to organize to change things at the Chicago Teachers Union. We did that, and, and then that did not work out. So I moved on to Create Cause, which is my organization. And this year, we created Teach for the Future, which is our brainchild, where we develop. Uh, curriculum for predominantly schools that serve African-American students, because as you know, that there's a different learning style that our children have, and if we want them to be successful, we have to respect the learning style. We are Absolutely. not the same as Europeans. We just Absolutely. aren't. I mean, you know. We learn differently, and the system today is very Eurocentric, so yes. I noticed that when I was in the schools, I was always getting three years of growth uh, every year I taught, and I, I couldn't understand why no one else could get this stuff. You know, the kids are failing, and I, I just couldn't do that. But I realized that even the programs like the Paul University programs, they were in our building. They were failing. Everybody was failing, but consistently I was getting two and three years of growth every year that I taught in reading and math. I later became a math specialist for CPS because I was just curious. I wanted to see, well, I'm doing this in my classroom and it's working, and maybe I'll do this school-wide. So we took a school called James Madison, and in one year yeah. we moved the school in math up three years. And you would think that would have made somebody happy. But to my surprise, no one was interested in the So this, this thing, it, it seems like, do you, do you get the, my, my, my personal belief, this is just me, is it, and it, it sounds like this, is, this whole thing is designed, is a systematically designed to, to, to create the current state that the school systems are in. Unless, unless I'm wrong, you're in there and know a lot more than I do. So, this is just my own. Uh, to, to my surprise, and I agree, I hate to say it, but after you, when you have it right and you're saying, I can teach these children, they're succeeding. 
When I took the lead teacher position at James Madison, we had seven, we had three children with the highest canine seven. The following year, we had seven, 57 eighths, and 27 nines in one year. And I said, what are these people doing wrong? They keep saying our children are failing, but why are our children failing? I, this makes no sense. So, of course, when you begin to speak up for your people and have advocacy for them, you know, the other folks don't like it. And I became a target. And that was very sad because uh, the children really... You know, we, we you know, they I loved working with the children and they loved working with me and it was it's such a loss. So Yeah, so during that period of time while I was out trying to figure out what they were gonna do with me, I thought that we needed to change leadership at the union. We had a union president called Marilyn Stewart. And we kept saying it was such a change. Yeah, there was such a campaign to get rid of her, the new caucus, the core people, they were saying uh, the same people that were running against Rahm Emanuel and putting the stuff out on him. I didn't fall for that because I already fell for what they did at the union. But they kept saying anyone but Maryland. They put out all of this information to teachers and sway teachers to vote for them, and in actuality, Marilyn Stewart was a much, much better union president for our community than Karen Lewis. And really? Really now, now, now the media, now the, it's something because the media seems to portray a, whole, a, a totally different uh, image. I know. They're very good at it. They're very good. I don't know. I mean, because I'm privy to so much information, yeah. what really... Um, what really made me just thoroughly just disgusted with the core leadership under Karen Lewis. Uh, Karen went to Springfield in December of 2010, and she signed the worst union-busting bill that anyone has ever seen. Teachers, I, we couldn't believe it. And I remember, I remember that day going into the office and asking the core people who were running the union, did Karen just sign a union-busting bill that literally destroyed everything the union had. I heard it on the news, and they said yes. And I said, what in the world are we going to do? And that is when they decided. Now, the bill was so horrible that the teachers got almost two extra hours of work with no pay. They, they got that. They lost their seniority and economic layoffs. They got these horrible valuations. All the power went back to the principal. Performance counts over seniority. So if a principal didn't really like you, which happens all the time, all the principal has to do is give you two unsatisfactory ratings and you're fired. And as before, you get no due process. And I think the reason why the union did that we had this influx of teachers that were being E3, racial firings is what they were. And uh, they, the union didn't have the money to advocate or to, you know, do, give due process to thousands yeah. of black teachers. And they decided that they would give that up, the right 
for teachers to have that due process. So it was so, I mean, if you read, the bill is called Senate Bill 7, and I think we need to talk about that. It was passed in March of 2011, and it was signed over in a move that shocked everyone from the core caucus, which I was a part mm -hmm. of Karen's caucus, and we were just flabbergasted. So in another move, in order to, like you said, it looks so good, in order to, and I want to talk about why strike options are just ridiculous for us to even consider, because of this bill that uh, it was a 51% threshold on striking, like in any election, get 51% of the people that voted and you're in, right? Well, that bill, uh, we gave up the right, or we, Karen them, gave up the right to have that 51% of voting members, they have to get the approval now of 75% of the entire membership under this bill that was signed. So that would mean, like, if you're looking, you're the mayor, you have to get 75% of all the registered voters before you can do anything. And then you've got to notify them months in advance. Say, for instance, I want to strike in yeah. August. I think it's, I have to tell them like three or four months in advance, which kind of like, you know, just, just ruins the whole, whole, whole thing about striking. So all of this stuff, if you, it's so much, I can't talk about it in one yeah, day. Let, 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 me, let me say this. If, if anybody wants to call in and has an opinion, uh, feel free to do so at 718-664-9513, 718-664-9513. We have about 15 more minutes to go. Uh, sorry, Rosita, go ahead and finish up and finish, continue yeah, on. Yeah, but I did. So while we are wondering what to do, because, you know, at this point, you're, you've been rendered powerless by the mayor. He has taken everything that the union has to protect his members. And this is why when they were on strike, the only thing that the union can strike for is money. So it makes the teachers look like we're so greedy, we can't strike for anything but money. And when they went on strike last time, the union people kept coming on saying it's not about money. So I really felt it. And I'm thinking, like, you can only strike for money. So why do you keep coming here saying it's, it's all about, it's not about money? Anyway, that's the only reason. So in a move to save the reputation of the, the union, I was in the meeting with them and asked, why and how can you take teachers out on a strike knowing that you can get nothing for them because of this bill that was signed? All they're going to be doing is parading around in the street. You're going to get a lot of publicity, nothing from the strike, and there's a possibility that mass firings are going to occur. And I said that to them in the meeting. And lo and behold, the teachers went on strike. They didn't do anything. And 50 schools in the black community, south and west side, were closed in order to satisfy the whims of the union. Now, we well, lost. Was... I want to give you. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I've now, got a question when you. Yeah. We lost, since 2000, in Chicago, 10,000 African-American teachers, their positions. 
their jobs were given to young white people from those programs, Teach for America, novice teachers that are doing experimental teaching that don't have any experience or, in many cases, degrees in education. So now we were, they went on strike, and we lost since 2000 to uh, 10,000. And under Karen Lewis, about 6,000 African-American teachers lost their position. And nothing was done as advocacy on their behalf. That's really the bone of contention that I had with them because I kept saying to them, what are you going to do about the African-American teacher situation? It's a crisis. So when the strike happened, and now they're thinking about it again, and I'm telling everyone, every time the union goes on strike, they have to balance it off of the schools that are underutilized, and this is very important. I am also the the vice chair for CPS's Community Action Council. Schools in our community don't have students like we used to because under Mayor Daly, we lost almost 3,000 African-American residents. So our schools, the projects were knocked down, so our schools are virtually empty. So whenever they think about cuts, they can't go to schools on the north side that are bustling with students. Hispanic schools are overcrowded. The only schools that are underutilized for the most part are on the south and west side. So that means that every time the union goes on strike, when they want to balance the budget, they have to close positions on the south and west side. So, and we've been hit with 6,000 teacher loss under Karen Lewis. And this is why I just get very frustrated because they do have a great marketing media team that spews out all kinds of misinformation to the African-American community. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. What, have, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I'm just because it, 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 it can get... I can imagine how confusing it can get, it can get to a lot of people because it actually gets a little confusing to me, especially when... What, what was it so much about uh, everybody hoisting... Uh, Karen on their shoulders and promoting her to be the next mayor. What what were they saying? What were they not saying that you were seeing? Well, Is it just like, like media propaganda, said, or well, you know how you know how media propaganda is. And um, because we were displaced teachers, we had a bad mark on us. And when I would say things and tell the truth, uh, come after me to try to. De- discredit everything I said. They would attack me. They would do things. But over time, people started saying, Rosita, everything you told us was true. So, you know, I just let it play out because, you know, a lie is only temporary and the truth is forever. So all I had to do was sit and wait because I knew what was going to happen. The truth was going to come out. And so, um, That's what they weren't saying. Now, many, many teachers will agree with me now, teachers that were strong advocates of Lewis like I was. I went in 125 schools because I knew so many people on the South Side and pushed Karen Lewis. So it's not like I didn't like. I was for her 100%. But when I saw the games that were being played and then the lies 
teachers, how they were being just completely matched over. Uh, I remember when this school Boucher was getting ready to be turned around. They literally told me in a meeting, you do not save the teachers. They said, unless they come to our protest, you're not the savior. And that quote, you're not the savior, and it's not your job to save them. And they asked me, who do I think? Because I was working with CPS. And that's another thing I found out. I found out that they did not want to work with CPS. I went to uh, Bob Runcy and uh, Denise Little. They were area people, and I'm naming them because, you know, the, and we talked, and they did everything they could to save the schools that were getting ready to close. In fact, no school that I organized closed that year, and that's because I worked very closely with CPS, and then I was reprimanded, and that's when I said, these people do not want it to work. They mm -hmm. just like what they're doing in the schools. They're I believe angry that. because, because and, and, and the logic of it is that these are teachers that did not vote for these people. Black elementary schools did not vote for this particular caucus. They voted for the Maryland Stewart got 43% of the vote. Karen Lewis got 27 and forced to run off. So literally, Karen Lewis went in with a 27% of the vote. And uh, teachers then, the other caucuses, through their support. Because, you know, so that's how they got in. And so there's a lot to this story, but I wanted to say that with all of this happened on our children, because first I'm a parent, next I'm a teacher, I'm a community member, and I do my research on education. I really don't talk about too many other issues outside of education and things mm -hmm. that are going on in our community because there's so much happening. Oh, absolutely. 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 That's, that's, <laughs> why, that's, why I'm, that's why I'm glad to have you on. I think you, you're going to provide a, a, a very good angle and perspective. And, and, and these are things that you don't get a chance to, like I was telling uh, the show uh, uh, before you came on, is that I was saying, you know, people like us, if you call a mainstream radio station, you're on hold for a half hour to an hour, and then after about 20, 30 seconds, they want to cut you off in mid sentence because you're not saying what they want you to say or what they want to hear. I'm sick of it. Right. Exactly. And here's the thing, you know, in, in the mainstream stations, only certain people will they allow to speak. They don't. You know how Chicago is. Everything's oh, yeah. up here. Black radio. The only people like Philip Jackson and Maya Kaya had me on for about two or three hours and it was so, and Philip Jackson always has us on. But the other commentators, they don't want anything to do with us, number one, because we're not the union. We're not officials. We're not yeah. elected yeah. officials. And yeah. so what, they don't want to hear anything. No, so what I'm going to do, what we're going to do is, because uh, we cut, we cut in on the uh, end, end of the time. Actually, we gone longer, which is a great thing, than I thought we'd go. This, this has been beautiful. I mean, I, I think you, you're going to have, you're really going to have, you have a lot to offer. Uh, we, we all have a lot to offer each other. I'm going to interview and have, until we break it out next month, I'm going to, each show I do, I'm going to introduce one of the new hosts. Each one of you, each one of us all have different perspectives, and we all have a common goal uh, for us. 
as a people, even though there's a couple of those, I, I disagree with a couple of people, but we debate it and we agree to disagree and we're okay, but we still have the same interest uh, amongst ourselves as mine as a people. But what I want to do now is yeah. give you a chance to, uh, a couple of minutes to make a closing statement and then we're going to shut it up and uh, I, I'll be talking with you and everybody else and we'll get together and have a round table and we'll come up with our times and dates in a future, future time. But I want to get to know you right now and I think you did a great job of introducing yourself. So you go ahead, take a couple okay. minutes and make a closing statement and we can, we'll have to close it out for tonight. Okay. I would just like to say that, you know, when you, education is probably the most important civil rights issue of our generation. And if we're going to change things, our organization, we have an entrepreneur's focus for our children. Uh, we believe that every child should know how to own and operate a business. And that, those, that's the format that we use when we're developing curriculum, everything with that in mind, because we have got to take our community back. I am, as I said, the founding president of the Chicago Alliance of Urban School Educators. Our national group is Coalition. So if you're a teacher in another state, please join CAUSE. We're Coalition uh, of Urban School Educators. Uh, I have a Facebook a group called CAUSE, C-A-U-S-E, and I have them, please like my page, CAUSE Chicago Alliance of Urban School Educators on Facebook, on Twitter. I, my website is www.causeteachers.org, so you can go on our website. We have many ways for you to contact, and if you just type my name in, I'm I'm on Facebook, and and become one of my friends because I put out stuff on a daily basis. I have a new classroom now, <laughs> and it's got a I couple of thousand students in it. And, and speaking, so, of, speaking of uh, speaking of web pages, I'm I'm creating a web page where all uh, you will all have a bios and a blog, and we will talk about that later. But you can go ahead and finish up. I didn't okay. mean to interrupt your thought. Yes, but anyway, so those are ways that you can type. I would like to say on August 20th, we have meetings every other Thursday at, right now, we're meeting at 1809 East 71st. Uh, we have Tuesday meetings during the winter at Operation Push at 50th and Drexel, where we started our first displaced teacher forum. We've been meeting out there for about five years. We kind of let them go because they were working so closely with CORE and Karen Lewis. So we kind of pulled back from our meetings there and found another location. But we're still, we occasionally, we still do meet there. Uh, we are just wanting to inform our parents and our teachers about how we can work together as a community to educate our kids, and to make our community strong. Well, Zita, I want to thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I appreciate yes. you taking the time. I'm, I'm humbled by yourself and all of, everybody else who's so enthusiastically willing to join the network. Uh, I think I'm doing the right thing. My heart's in the right place, and uh, ain't nothing to it now but to do it. I got, I got to do this, and uh, we're going to let it roll and let yes. the chips fall where they may. Yeah, on that note... We'll be bringing our teachers to join you too. Just, I would like to share your information at our next meeting. Absolutely. We're going to work it out. Uh, this is just the first uh, of many. We're going to keep it rolling. And as always, I'll in part say that in the name of whomever, 
or whatever, your spiritual power. Peace and good night. Peace. Peace. Good night.